You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 481, life hacks for pop stars, the magic of pottering and the joy of Joni Mitchell. That's all coming up after Terrorvision and Oblivion. First of five hit singles taken from their album How to Make Friends and Influence People, massively catchy, from 1994, number 21 in the UK, Terrorvision and Oblivion. I will be singing that for about the next week, I think. I was very fond of Terrorvision as a youngster. I thought they were they were great. Like you say, brilliantly catchy. They had another song called Perseverance that yes. I might have been one of the other singles from that album that I had on Shine 5 as an impressionable teenager, and I liked that very much too. It was the, They were the only reason I bought Kerrang! for about eight months, I think, because they always seemed to be in it. 
Well, hello, and thanks for joining us for this latest edition of the Parish Council. It's Hmm. episode 481. I'm Terence Stackham, and let's just check if the rumours are true. Is she going into the hair dye business with Rudy Giuliani? Let's ask her. <laughs> it's Juliet Harris. I'm still trying to set up that landscaping company. I thought that I thought that was the next big thing, but a week is a long time in world yes, affairs. Yes. It turns out. I did. I saw a cartoon just before I came on air. I can't remember who where it came from. Of um of the fly from Mike Pence's head saying <laughs> yeah. to a bead of dyed sweat rolling down the side of Rudy's face. Nice work and the and the dye the, the, the bead of sweat says oh thanks so so yeah it's been it's been quite a week for him unfortunate well i mean this stuff just kind of the four seasons you know landscaping affair they've made a lot of money selling t-shirts apparently and the uh, the mike pence is flying the bit this stuff just kind of writes itself doesn't it really and more moreover if you wrote that no one would believe you, would they? They just go, "Oh, come on, don't be stupid. That's just being silly. That would never happen in real life." Well, it has. <laughs> well, absolutely. As 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 we know, I it used to write years ago for Spitting Image, and if we'd have come up with this sort of stuff, it would have been said, "Oh, that's too far fetched." But it is. It's still there. might have still might have been better than the than the revived Spitting Image, oh, though. I well, regret yes. to say, yes. So I believe, yes. Um, many of us probably assume it's a, a good old life being a pop star. Everything is done for you, and in normal times, crowds acclaim you everywhere you go. But there are still things that can go wrong, and Juliet and I are here to help aspiring pop stars avoid those pitfalls. I mean, we're we're amply qualified for this, aren't we? Absolutely. Peerless. (laughs) One one of the most important things is to remember where you are. Uh, Many... Mm. Many Britney Spears fans in Manchester have still not forgiven her for running out onto the Manchester stage in 2009 and yelling, hello, London. (laughs) And um, She has formed for this uh, once telling the crowd she was delighted to be in San Jose. Uh, Trouble was she was in Sacramento. Um, (laughs) I I was once managing a tour. We mentioned it a week or so ago, managing a tour for the Doobie Brothers uh, when a member of the band rang me in the office in pre-internet, (laughs) pre-satnet. days and he told me they were stuck in a place called Goldchester and it was only after speaking to their tour bus driver that I found out they were actually lost in Gloucestershire um, <laughs> Gloucestershire yeah. I've heard it's called before. Get, getting lost in the, in the Cotswolds I mean, that's one thing but getting lost on your own property takes some doing um, country star Kane Brown gave an mm. interview to Extra TV a, a week or two ago where, where he explained that he got lost on his own property uh, this summer um, the family they moved into a new home outside Nashville with mm. 30 acres of land and he went exploring and got lost for seven hours um, <laughs> Luckily, had I mean that does go. That goes to show just maybe he has too much money if the, if the property <laughs> they live on is that big. I that I, big, I do yeah, worry yeah. about this. Had his cell phone with him. He called the police who tracked him down, took him home, where his wife thought he'd made the story up to avoid helping unpack uh, the boxes <laughs> after their move. And Which it, is very plausible. Very I can plausible. completely understand how she drew that conclusion. It needed the police to confirm his story before she believed him. Now, Jules... <laughs> The question, of course, on everybody's lips is, do you ever get lost on your own property? 
Well, I mean, given that it's four rooms, if I did get lost in my own property, I'd probably go to A&E because I feel that some major event had probably happened to me at that point. There isn't an awful... It's lovely, but there isn't an awful lot to get lost in. Um, it's funny that you say people turning up in wrong places. I went to see um, a band who we've played several times on this podcast because I'm a very big fan of them, or rather I was before the drummer left, Sleater Kinney. Oh, and yeah. I saw them... This would have been about 2004, I reckon, in a venue called The Old Market it in Hove um, which is a very nice actually I think it, it, it comes from Tudor or Georgian times it's a very old building my parents used to worry about me going to gigs there because basically the whole place is a tinderbox but anyway we went to see Steve Kinney and I remember the the on stage kind of banter and badinage between uh, Corinne Tucker and Carrie Brownstein who were sort of the joint front people of Steve Kinney and I remember one uh, 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 that was it Janet um, no not Janet yeah it was Corinne Tucker said that she She'd gone on stage when they were on tour in somewhere like Austria and said hello, but unfortunately said hello in Swedish rather than <laughs> Austrian. So attempting to ingratiate herself with the crowd didn't work very well. To which Carrie Brownstein interjected, no, I think it was when you called them Germans that you really beat them off. So uh, so it, it happens to everyone. Europe is, of course, one place. Um Top tips, Radiohead, who, as you know, I'm a rather an yes. admirer of, um, they have managed to, um, or they, they did their best to try and reduce their carbon footprint on tour by setting up, they've actually said they're not sure if they will tour much more because they don't think that the environment can justify it, which is laudable, and presumably they're at a stage financially where they can afford to do that. But they set up their carbon neutral world tour in 2008. They avoided using carbon offset schemes and they wanted to be more direct so this is what they did to try and make it carbon neutral they only booked gigs in venues that had really good existing public transport links Okay. Yeah. They actively encouraged their fans to carpool. They had a scheme on their website. I remember that happening. They yeah. had stages again because they were in a financial position to do so. They had a stage built specially on either side of the Atlantic so they didn't have to transport their stage set up with them. Which is interesting. Um, they only used trucks that ran on biofuel. They only restrict. They restricted their lighting rig to LED only, and they avoided air travel in Europe, so okay. wherever possible. So, so if they were travelling on a mainland, they would they would use you know trains, which I which I really admire actually. Mm. Another band who are very keen on using public transport, um, which hopefully you know avoids you from being recognised. <laughs> Bill Gibbons of ZZ Top, who you'd think would be pretty recognisable with a huge beard, beard you know, yeah. um, travelled to one of his own gigs on the London Underground in Good 2009. Lord. He said um, he was meant to be going to Wembley Arena and he told BBC News um, I wanted to ride the tube someone said you know it may not be that bad of an idea because travelling London has not been known for its expedient way to get from A to B that's an excellent phrase well done Bill and off I went it's only a block from the hotel down to the station no sooner had I bought the ticket that the agent informed me that the circle line had broken down <laughs> he then had to take a bus to a different tube station along with everyone else heading out there to see him perform there was a guy on the route that was 
checking me out and it was getting a little edgy. And then I realised that he was looking at a ZZ Top concert ticket for the Wembley show. When asked if he'd do it again, he replied, well, I may in the future. I beat my partners by 45 minutes. So <laughs> for all that London Transport is criticised, it did get him there. And speaking of the um, of the uh, announcing yourself in the wrong place and having the, 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 the town on the set list at the top, there's a lovely scene. I will once again quote The Simpsons, even though it drives everyone mad. There was an episode which spoofs uh, Spinal Tap. They appear in it and they were, they're on stage playing in Springfield. And they said, we were in Shelbyville the other day and they said they rock the most. This is the rival town to Springfield. <laughs> yes, yeah. And everyone starts booing. And then one of them goes, well, we told them nobody rocks like, at which point he looks at the back of his guitar, which has a piece of paper with Springfield stuck on it <laughs> and goes, Springfield rocks. And of course, everyone goes nuts. So maybe writing things on the back of your guitar is also perhaps a useful tip. Although that wasn't even the, uh, that's a sort of a fictional version of a fictional band. So perhaps not very true. Ed Sheeran used to apparently sleep on the tube overnight when he was a a struggling musician because he couldn't afford to go back home. So he would say, um, he said, I didn't have anywhere to live for much of 2008 and the whole of 2009, 2010, but somehow I made it work. I knew where I could get a bed at a certain time of night and I knew who I could call at any time to get a floor to sleep on. I spent a week catching up on sleep on the circle line trains. I go out and play a gig. I wait until 5am when the underground opens. This is in pre-20 underground days. Sleep on the circle line until 12, go to a session and then repeat, which I think is is quite impressive in itself. For as, as a friend of mine, you know, obviously it's economical for struggling musicians to sleep on floors. As a friend of mine once put it, why scouting for girls, number one, when they were sleeping on our sofa three months ago? And I said, I, 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 you know, that that's the music business, baby, apparently. But uh, yeah, so it is possible to, uh, possible to, you know, to life hack yourself if you are, uh, if you, you know, pro- problems that pop stars only, you know, only pop stars have. My favourite, I think, is. Um, how does one get around New York if you happen to be a rock star like David Bowie was? Um, and this, this BBC website says, simple, play on people's natural instinct not to believe their eyes and use a handy prop to throw them off the scent. Uh, William Boyd, the writer, recently told The Guardian about a party he went to in 94 in which Bowie turned up in a taxi like he wasn't, you know, David Bowie. As I arrived, I saw Bowie stepping out of a yellow cab and paying the driver greeting him and vaguely surprised to see him in this form of transport. I asked him if he had any problems moving around the city. He said, no, not at all. He just happily used cabs and subways. I just carry one of these, he said, and held up a Greek newspaper. <laughs> People think, that's Brilliant. David Bowie, surely. <laughs> then they see the Greek newspaper. No, it can't be. It's just some Greek guy that looks like him. I think that is amazing. So next time I'm recognised in my local town for being me, I'm just going to, you know, wave the Irish Times or whatever <laughs> I can find. The the even I think my, my favourite transport but use has to be Robert Smith of The Cure who um, decided that he would try and avoid people, you know, stressful demands by slowing his life down he told his record company he developed a fear of travelling by plane, which is aerophobia, which meant that he had to travel everywhere by boat or train. And in pre-Wi-Fi days, it meant he was effectively out of contract by, for days on end, although he told Blender that the, the, the downside was, as he said, it doesn't always work out well, we did two American tours sailing all over on the QE2, which was very civilised. The first time we did it, I arrived in America shattered. It, shattered. it was like five days in a boat with four 
47 bars in a casino. It was like <laughs> going on tour before the tour. So so I think sticking to public transport, which doesn't have a bar, is probably the way forward. Well, of course, the COVID pandemic has given mm. some pop stars the opportunity to take to social media platforms to tell us their ill-thought-out views and advice. Um, <laughs> yeah. my, my tip to the, their families and managers is to confiscate their smartphones and access to the internet. Ian Brown of the Stone Roses has posted mm. on Twitter his view that COVID is, quote, designed to make us digital slaves, and it's all a media conspiracy. Former pop stars, right, said Fred, tell us, I quote, the pandemic is a lie and rather extraordinary, quote, a hug a day keeps the COVID away. I um, mean, they, they have they have posted alarming views on their social media to the point where they're now referred to routinely amongst my friends as far right, said Fred yeah, nowadays, Fred, unfortunately. Yeah, so, uh, so, yes, they he's been a bit strange for a while, I think, one of them. But um, but yeah, they certainly seem to have upped it a notch, haven't they? I was think uh, be careful who you're performing for as well. Uh, Sting, Kanye West, Jennifer Lopez, Nicki Minaj, they've all performed um, at private concerts for mm. Colonel Gaddafi, the former dictator of Libya. Uh, the, the worst mistakes pop stars make is, is sticking their toes into political waters. Mm. Uh, Ringo in 2017, as he received... Oh, no. Received his knighthood, he told the world he was all in favour of Brexit, despite not living in the UK. Mm. But well, the always invest- nice when someone that doesn't pay their taxes yeah, exactly. that yes, they yes. need to contribute to public and political life. That always goes down well, doesn't it? Now, the best advice to all pop stars I've got is this. Look at whatever Morrissey says and does immediately do the opposite <laughs> yeah don't do that please don't for goodness sake don't do what morrissey does who, who has just been uh, dropped by his record label and of course is blaming it on them wanting a more diverse roster and we all know what dog whistle that's setting up no maybe it's because no one buys your records or goes to your shows anymore because they find you incredibly dreary and offensive and no one wants to buy your 200 pounds signed album by someone that isn't even you off the merchandise stand which we have talked that? about previously that. yes There are are many things about Morrissey that are vexatious. That is just one of a catalogue. Coming next, how pottering about is a Mm. cure for modern life? You see, there are some podcasts that really like to be, you know, across the news and all of the hourly developments of current affairs. We've gone on a different path, haven't we, nowadays? And I love it. (laughs) That's right after King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Oh 
is probably the best name for a band that you'll hear all week. And also very easy to Google. I, I, I didn't quite understand until recently why certain bands spell their names in really weird ways, like churches spell their name with a V instead of the U. And okay. a younger and hipper friend of mine went, oh, search engines, in it? And you think, oh, of course it is. So King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, um, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to find them if you Google them. It's not like Googling a band that, you know, have a have a co- you know the shires or something that have a common name you know commonish name or somebody smith you know there's probably only going to be one king gizzard in the lizard wizard <laughs> isn't there really um they're an australian rock band they formed in uh, melbourne in 2010 um there's some good music coming out of australia there has been in the last few years i'm a very big fan of tame impala as well who i oh, think yes. we've played around these parts so both of us are big fans i think mm. but i i really like this group everything i've heard them do I think it's really lovely, and I, I you know, I, I like this. It's it's gentle, but it's it's got a tune, but it's a little bit psychedelic, but not too freakily. So, it's just a nice tune you can kind of well, as we're going to talk about, potter about to. I find myself sort of humming it whilst I'm washing up. Sometimes I think it's a uh, it's a uh, it's you know, it it sounds like the very sort of that that kinks kind of sensibility, village green, that sort of thing. It's got that vibe about it. This is from the also excellently titled album Paper Mache Dream Bloon. Uh, that is a King Gizzard and a Lizard Wizard and Bone. Well, perhaps not a great surprise that this band were uh, new to me, but I, ra- I really rather like that. Mm. The sort of whimsical nature of that yeah. track. And as you say, great name for an album, <laughs> which they describe as, I see, a conceptless concept album. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you live next door to them, they might become quite wearing. I get that impression about them. But having said that, you know, it's nice that someone's trying to do something a bit different, even if that bit different is something that probably would have done in 1968. I, I don't mind. I'm, I'm glad to have them around i hadn't heard of them but what i did find out this week is mm. most they've they've been together eight years they've mm. m- they've um produced 16 albums in eight years That's including two a year including five in 2017 alone Wow, that is <laughs> some of which I mean, and it does make you wonder what some of their recreational hobbies are. <laughs> I'm going to listen to them a lot over the next week because they say they sound, they sound very interesting to me. I must they say, they do, don't they? Some time ago, we talked about the highly enthusiastic, tidier upper or organising <laughs> consultant, as she calls herself, Marie Kondo. I love that. Organising consultant. There organizing really consultant. are people that remain skilled at money for old rope, don't they? As, as there remain people to give them money for that old rope. Well, her Netflix series in 2019, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo, was very <laughs> successful. And it was. Included, she did tidy up. Um, I do wonder, though... Um, how many people are still following her methods and how many people have slipped back into their their (laughs) previously untidy lives. Uh, I rather think Marie Kondo may have mixed views about the latest homestyle guru to write a book. Anna McGovern has just published Pottering a Cure for Modern Life. And Mm. while Marie Kondo might be in agreement about tidying drawers as an outcome of pottering, Anna McGovern goes on to include meandering around aimlessly with no purpose whatsoever. And if you don't finish a task, no worries, there's always tomorrow. And I'm rather in favour of all of this pointless meandering. I mean, indeed, uh, life itself could probably be accurately described as a pointless meander. Um, How about you, Juliet? Are you a potter abouter? I think I am. Well, I never used to be. And this is perhaps one 
out up, um, upside outcome I, I, anyway this is perhaps one positive outcome from lockdown for me that it's meant that I've spent an awful lot more time at home having perhaps not spent enough time at home previously as a result of which I feel and this is going to sound very hippish but I hope you'll forgive me I feel much more connected to the space that I live in you know I notice when things break now at the time rather than you know a couple of months later and so I've got quite into just you know doing a bit of tidying up maybe putting some records into order you know listening to something whilst doing some washing up like many people I feel that I spend 50 to 60 percent of my time either cooking or washing up now compared to how I did previously to the point where cooking is a point of pottering for me I now you know spend part of a day planning what I might cook in the evening and that is ultimate potter for me that sounds like a sort of a Harry Potter fan guide doesn't it but uh, ultimate potter for me is being in the kitchen listening to records or maybe you know flicking between radio stations on the digital radio you know slowly cooking something and just you know like you say having sort of perhaps vague tasks that you have to accomplish in your day but nothing particularly involved or crucially nothing that really matters very much and actually for all the aspects of lockdown particularly my lockdown were quite stressful equally it it has made me realize that sometimes there is a great deal of value in not doing a great deal in just you know kind of wandering about and just just doing other things and thinking oh you know I, I forgot I had this book all these magazines oh I really must sort through those old mojos and find things that are interesting in them and then throw the rest away it's just I just enjoy doing odd jobs and just you know just not really having a huge kind of oh I've got to be uh, you know on this train for this time or you know, this is obviously when I'm not working but no like you I'm I've I've recently very much embraced the joys of pottering. Well I rather like Anna McGovern's description of micro pottery mm. which she says those moments in the day when you do something that is not strictly necessary but gives you a short break to readjust your thoughts I, I'm all like in favour of that yeah I thought of a few of my favourite things in life that are micro pottering mm. uh, one of my favourite things to do uh, I get a lot of satisfaction from sharpening a pencil. So I do crosswords. I do the, <laughs> oh, the yes, telegraph crossword yes. and I do it in pencil. And actually doing it, sharpening a pencil by hand with a small pencil sharpener. Not Gosh. with one of those little machines that we had at school where you would yes. turn a handle to mechanically sharpen your pencil. An old-fashioned one. That's really good fun. Shaking a bottle or carton of orange juice before you pour it. Oh, yes. That is very Enormous fun. So obviously, that you've got to make sure the lid is tight. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, do that. It makes that lovely, it makes a lovely sort of whooshing noise as you shake it i like that um chucking an empty plastic bottle into an empty recycling Ooh, bin. I, I did i did that 21 times the other day when i took mine down to the recycling and it is very enjoyable it makes, makes a lovely clump sound as it hits the floor of the bin clump. it's l- less alarming than glass in which i did that oh, recently yes. and frightened yeah. a small child that lives in my block so yes yeah, so <laughs> plastic is better i think and finally, also on a recycling theme, um, breaking up big Amazon cardboard boxes into oh, smaller gosh. pieces. 
it's a sort of hunter-gatherer type of experience. You know, well, I mean, had, had I had I known this, I would have called for your assistance <laughs> when I ordered a wheelie chair that came in a cardboard that came fully constructed, which meant the cardboard box it came in was my height, and I am five foot seven. And we we allowed to put card. We have I live in a block of flats, and we have a communal sort of waste and recycling area, and you're only allowed to put cardboard boxes there if they have been broken down. I ended up having to use a hand saw to take it apart because it was so it was so large and I mean I I could have actually got in I could stand upright if I got in it so so I met it, it took a very a very long time it was in the summer when it was really hot I remember sweating thinking why am I sweating in August watching snooker where it's on at the wrong time of year because everything's out of whack trying to and I didn't enjoy pottering then I should have taken time to enjoy it more in fact it was just an incredibly difficult thing to do so I wish I'd known about your your love of cutting up cardboard boxes mm. because that was a whopper. You'd have you'd have had hours of fun with that, I think. <laughs> well, good work all round, Anna McGovern. Pottering a cure for modern life. I think book. I might I read that. And I also, and I can't believe this is the uh, heights or lows, depending on your viewpoint, that this podcast has reached. I must take um, a picture of my pencil sharpener and send it to you ooh, because yes. it was given to me by a well-wisher at the time um, who worked for the Environment Agency. And it is in the shape of a green wheelie bin that you would use for recycling, except it catches your pencil sharpenings as you oh, put it in the top cool. and that it has little lovely. wheels on the bottom so uh, so yeah if you have not fallen asleep and would like to send us pictures of your favorite pencil sharpener <laughs> feel free to do so on social media coming next we say hooray for Joni mitchell mm. first though here she is performing live with the band in san francisco in 1976 Joni mitchell
It's the opening track to her wonderful album from 1976, Hegira, which actually was written, that album was written in the most extraordinary circumstances with Joni driving solo without an American driver's license um, mm. across the country, wearing from um, the East Coast to the West Coast, wearing a brunette wig uh, so she wouldn't be recognised, <laughs> on cocaine and calling herself Joan Black. That, that's, uh, that was an experience, wasn't uh, it, really? That was a journey. very a different time. <laughs> it really was. This this live version is taken from the band's farewell concert, The Last Waltz, where uh, she was a guest, Joni Mitchell, on Thanksgiving Day in 1976 and Coyote. Right, that is one of my favourite Joni tracks as well, I think. I mean, she's done so much stuff that I love, but that is phenomenal. And that version was terrific as well. When the Hegira album came out, it was the year, mm. the, the era of cassettes, and I bought Hegira on cassette. And Coyote is the first track, and for about the first month of owning it in the car, <laughs> I just kept rewinding the first mm. track back and forth, back and forth, because I just loved it so much. Still do, it's of course. So, it's so good, so good. Joni Mitchell, she's releasing a series of um, of, of uh, box sets, I suppose you would say, in chronological order of previously mm. unheard material. 
And the first set has just been released. It's called Joni Mitchell, um, Joni Mitchell Archives, Volume One, the early years, 1963 to 1967. Hmm. Now, I'm always wary of the releases of early material before yes. artists or groups became famous. Um, for instance, early tapes of the Beatles in Hamburg are pretty grim, and uh, their work with Tony Sheridan in the early 60s probably oh, should see, have I, I don't, same I don't mind that so much, mm-hmm. but I'm with you on the Hamburg stuff, which is scratchy music that was yeah. played in clubs to be listened to at the time. It wasn't, you know, planned to no, planned to take longer and like like you i have a bit of a fear of when they say oh unreleased material and it's like most of the time it was unreleased for a reason reason, that's right well this Joni mitchell set is very interesting of course almost certainly only appeal to Joni completists but the quality is very good and you can map out her journey to musical Mm. maturity now we're going to play you a short clip It's, it's only about a minute long but instead of playing a song um, which, as I say, probably only appealed to, to Joni Completis. Um, instead of playing a song, here's a short excerpt where Joni is chatting to the crowd in a club in Philadelphia in 1966. And I think it's fascinating because, as I say, only a minute long, but it shows how quiet audiences were in those days. In fact, it's only when someone coughs in the audience that you realise there is an audience. Um, also, interestingly, Joni tries to tell a humorous anecdote and it sinks like the Titanic um, a minute of Joni Mitchell in 1966 I come from a place in Canada called Saskatoon Saskatchewan which to some people sounds like a disease up there we joke about Kalamazoo Michigan and I found out that that place really does exist I was amazed but um, the winters in Saskatchewan are very cruel the seasons are cruel and the temperature changes as much as 150 degrees in a year which is pretty radical. And when winter comes and December comes and January is threatening to come with temperatures dropping down to 50 below zero, the people begin to act very peculiarly and they say, hey, why can't I go someplace else for the winter? And some of them who have enough money, the wealthy farmers actually do go down to someplace like Miami or oh, Bermuda the Bahamas, places like that, just to escape it. But the rest of the people have to sit it out with the blizzards and the blusters, and this is how they feel, I think. Well, she sounds Tough so... crowd, man. <laughs> Tough crowd. <laughs> Tough crowd, indeed. She sounds so young and um, so very Canadian. She, she, turned... she sounds about. She sounds like a twenty-year-old exchange student, doesn't she? She doesn't sound like a, a rock star in the slightest. She turned twenty-three that week, in in fact. So you're not far mm. wrong. Um, Jules, what is it that's so great about Joni Mitchell? The first female singer-songwriter that was producing their own material and performing it and fronting it and kind of presenting themselves as a sort of an artist the first female to really kick out records at that rate of that quality I think was Joni Mitchell so so for me I think she was she wasn't maybe the first female singer-songwriter but as far as rock music is concerned well she she's good because she kind of she dances on that kind of fault line between rock and folk I think and 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 produces music that is you know that that and even jazz in places that borrows from multiple genres I think really well but I think she was one of the first female rock artists to play by her own rules rather than other people's mm-hmm. I think I do I do get the impression that she was always 
in control even when she as you say wasn't remotely in control <laughs> by driving on a on the you know without a driving license on drugs uh, in a blonde in a brunette with pretending to be someone else all the way across america that doesn't sound hugely in control does it and yet she you know she was the i think the, the first one of the first female figures to really be producing quality music of their own consistently but managing to find a way in you know, on david geffen's label of, of doing it in a in a you know a sort of a sensible well actually not a sensible way at all in a way that didn't conform to the rules of the time and I think that she really broke ground for generations of singer-songwriters to then kind of you know do, do the thing that they did I don't think interestingly although their music is different I don't think we'd have had Patti Smith without Joni Mitchell hmm uh, that's a very interesting point. I hadn't thought that. That's um, probably true. I'm really looking forward um, to the archive releases from later years, especially mm. her golden era, 1971 to 76, 77. Oh, yes, that, that's going to be that's going to be really special. I think. Yeah, the era of blue, Court and Spark, hissing of summer lawns, and uh, Hegira. Yeah. I heard someone the other day on the radio referring to Joni Mitchell as a one hit wonder. And oh, after, what? <laughs> well, well I, I gasped in horror. And then I realized that to many people in the UK, mm. that could possibly be true because Big Yellow Taxi yes. was her only single hit in the UK ever. And that made me look at her success or otherwise in America. And she only actually had three top 10 single hits mm. in 50 years uh, in America. But Big Yellow Taxi wasn't even a hit in the States. So, like I said earlier, I think... Well, she's an albums artist. She is, isn't it? She is an albums artist. She's for people that... A a friend of mine teased me when I turned up with an overly large pair of headphones once, uh, over-earphones at the time when everybody had, you know, iPod headphones, Mm. earphones, and I put them on the table and she just looked at me and said, look at me, I like real music. And uh, and there is something of the, you know, Jodie Mitchell is for people that like real music, often in that slightly ostentatious way, but she is someone who is an albums artist I think Pink Floyd is similar, aren't they? They haven't had that many single hits yeah. yet. Their albums sell bin loads year after year, don't they? And, and Joni's probably the same, I think. She is someone who, like Laura Marling, I think generations of people will continue to discover her and buy and enjoy her albums. And the fact that she hasn't had pots of hits doesn't really matter. Oh, absolutely not. I think these archive recordings are for aficionados only mm. but they they are on spotify so you don't actually have mm. to buy the physical product unless you're a, a collector but if you've never heard those great Joni mitchell albums i i really so urge you to try uh blue caught and spark hissing of summer lawns and hegira yeah and i think you may end up loving Joni mitchell as much as um juliet and i do yeah i hope i i mean i hope you enjoy them when i say i never want to say to people i hope you like it because it makes it sound like you're sort of forcing things on people yes, making exactly. a judgment but i certainly think weirdly i was having this conversation i played Joni on on the radio early this week and um and my my friend who occasionally listens but not often listened to what actually he was pottering around his uh his uh-huh. workshop garage and he said i've been in the shed by torchlight renovating my dad's woodwork tools listening to the show under the scent of beeswax and he said that he very much enjoyed Help Me, which I played. And he said, Court and Spark is an all-time top 20 album for me, but it's the only one I know. Uh, what else should I listen to? And I said, The Hissing of Summer Lawns and Hajir. And he said, oh, yes, I think those and Blue will be my next port of call. And I think she's... Ma- I like Clouds as well very much, actually. But I think that of Joni's albums, those are the four, I think, that you re- that I would say... I would even go as far to say that you need in your collection. Absolutely right. 
Well, thank you very much for listening to us this week. Very grateful yes. that you're there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're delighted that we've kept on running and you've kept on running with us. It's been it's been a it's been a ride this year, hasn't it? <laughs> now, Jules, when you're not pottering, mm. might we find you on the radio this weekend? You might well do. Yes, this is the plan. Anyways, all being well, um, forces willing, I will be um on Sunday evening from seven till nine. I will be smooth sailing again on my Mixler channel, which is Mixler M I X L R dot com. And if you search for my name on there, Juliet Harris, you should come across my page. It has a little graphic of smooth sailing on it, and I go live from seven till nine. at playing yacht rock, uh, classic pop, easy listening, nothing too sort of you know loud, just stuff that is occasionally bits of uplifting pop, but most stuff that is just quite sort of you know not very cool but it is very calming and enjoyable to listen to so we just do that for a couple of hours i do it people seem to like it we just keep going really and a track that you featured on last week's smooth sailing to play us out yeah indeed and i heard this myself on the radio my station of, of choice six music and my biggest mental health changer of the last five years was when i bought a car that had a digital radio in it which meant that i was able to to listen to six music whilst driving around uh, as a result of which i often have you know sort of moments where i'm in the car driving and, and songs sort of touch me at certain moments i remember earlier this year the weekend before it became apparent that something was going to have to happen with lockdown but i think everyone started locking themselves down I remember driving through rural Sussex and Giles Peterson played Suspended by Khalees. And I remember thinking, gosh, we are about to go there, aren't we? I heard this whilst driving back from my parents on Sunday evening and or Sunday afternoon. And it just everything seemed to stop apart from this record. I can't explain it, but I just thought Guy Garvey played it. And I thought I, I need that record and I need other people to hear it. I think it's completely beautiful. It's by an artist called Jonah's Policewoman, who uh, was in punk bands for a few years in the 90s. Um, interestingly, was in a relationship with Jeff Buckley, the singer-songwriter, for three years. And was they were in a relationship when he sadly passed away. It would have been his birthday this week. And she posted a rather sweet picture of the two of them together taking a selfie before selfies were a thing. And they actually used you know, a proper camera and they didn't know if it would come out or not until it was developed. But I played this and I thought it was it was really just a, a glorious record and a beautiful vocal. So I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. And this is Jonah's Policewoman and it's the title track from her 2006 album, Real Life. Stir 
been listening to a Parish Council production.